what I notice in our culture is that people often do what feels safe, you know, because they're, they're looking for a certain amount of comfort for the next 40 years and a certain amount of acceptance and a certain amount of love. And all of that is okay, but uh, sometimes it really is imperative that we choose the path that is the rough one. You know, the one where you get to feel all your edges. Choose that one and stay on it for as long as you can, just to see how alive you can feel. Astrology gets complicated, and I think a lot of the skepticism comes because obviously there's a spiritual aspect to the practice. And I think that that's where, A, folks are more comfortable being able to prescribe a practice to a specific religion, right? Because when we box things in, they seem to make more sense because they've already been constructed. And I feel like a large part of astrology, and to me, the beauty and art of astrology is that, like, you keep learning forever. Like, I've never followed a practitioner who, you know, reads tarot or really lives in astrology who feels like they already are somehow got to the point where they know everything and have learned everything. Like, that is not a thing. And so for that reason, sometimes it's just very hard for folks to sit with the concept of it because it just defies the specifics and the bounds that we're used to when we think about spirituality and what you're supposed to believe in or what you're supposed to do when you do believe in something or not do. I think that makes it hard for, you know, anyone and everyone. <laughs> um, but I think with our generation specifically, like, you know, we talked about this the last time that I was talking to you with Zim and Eric on this podcast, but spirituality and self-care just becoming a little bit more of like buzzwords, right? And so folks really, to some degree, like in a negative way sometimes, because, you know, it becomes very surface level and, and we can get into all of that stuff. Um, but I think another part of it for, for our generation and maybe other folks as well is that, you know, we really are inclined to like find tools that work for us because we, we want to break generational curses and we want to be willing to do the work and show up for not just ourselves, but each other. Right. I think our tendency to at least be a bit more open to things like astrology comes from our tendency to be more community driven than maybe other generations have been. And the last thing that I will say in terms of just how I do navigate conversations, because yes, they do come up and even like, you know, family, like I grew up with religious folks. And so 
saying that this is something that I like practice regularly and like really living in it and bringing it up casually in conversation because it's, you know, just something to me that's part of my life and my day and my belief system. It gets better. Like with anything, when you stand authentically in your belief of it, right, and you honor it in a way that doesn't harm others, eventually, even if people don't believe in it, they kind of just stop caring, right? They're like, oh, yeah, there goes Kelly with her astrology talk or there go. But it's never negative and it's definitely less skeptical. And those same people, I will say over time, will eventually be like, yo, girl, I just found out my moon is in Virgo. What that mean? You know, at the end of the day, I think there are actually a lot of folks who say they're not into astrology who low-key be interested and, you know, might read a little something here and there because at this point, it might be in your face more than it used to be. That's real. There's an interesting parallel there too, where I feel like, I know you were talking about, right, how there's sometimes a hesitation because it just like messes with people's worldview. And I think even in terms of, you know, before we started recording, like, you know, Chelsea, you mentioned the patriarchy, right? And I think that's another thing where it's like, if you're trying to dismantle the patriarchy, you're messing with a lot of people's worldview by even starting that conversation. And it seems like, you know, whether it's something like astrology or whether it's something more, you know, directly related to social livelihood, either way, there has, there's this like thing where like on a day-to-day basis, you're challenging other people's perspective on life. So how do you go about having conversations where you know that the other person just isn't even seeing things from the same perspective as you? Like, how do you navigate that type of a conversation when you're in it? I loved how you brought up, you know, like dismantling the patriarchy. And I was like, damn, that's such a corny ass thing that is now really part of our lexicon, right? Like that is a phrase that people understand, but I'm not interested, interested, excuse me, in dismantling the patriarchy. I don't even believe in it. Um, I know that men have more power than women currently, um, but I don't necessarily think that me dismantling the patriarchy is going to somehow redistribute the power. Right. I don't believe in trickle down economics. Um, so essentially what I'm saying is that when people have power and they only see themselves as one thing, right, the patriarchy, a man, um, then they're not even allowing themselves to explore their own duality. I've always kind of sort of believed that things were on spectrums. And so, right, it's like the more I live, I guess, I realize I'm like, damn, like people will just recite things, right? Because they think that this is what needs to be said, or they think this is the way that it is. But I'm like, that's not even necessarily the case. Um, And so I'm more interested in people being like, I'll interrogate people and in a really polite way, right? Like I'll like push back on what they're saying in order for them to see that like, they might not even fully grasp what they've just said. That's so real. And I feel like what I was just going to say in terms of specifically astrology is almost exactly that. It's a waste and honestly, often overstepping a boundary, in my opinion, if I'm talking to somebody and they don't want to talk about astrology and I just start going off about, you know, where each planet is right now and the transits and like, that's (laughs) not even a conversation. And I feel like that doesn't even honor the practice to me, you know, so I don't feel like I necessarily waste the time or energy. But what I feel like I can do in those moments, similar to what Chelsea just spoke to is like, the best way to help someone maybe even not just believe in right, but like maybe understand why someone else might use it as a tool is to get them to think about astrology in terms of themselves. If you want me to tell you every single placement in your birth chart, if you're comfortable with that, I will do that. And then I want you to go read, just take a peek. I don't need you to know how to read somebody's birth chart. You know, I don't need you to, again, sit here and have conversation with me that you're not interested in. But what I might leave you with 
is if you're ever inclined to be open to it, remember that this is also a tool for you and you should always start there with you. And I think when it comes to conversations around dismantling the patriarchy and bringing the oppressors down, it is like, you know, we also talk about like that burden not being placed on the folks that have been historically oppressed, right? So then that means oppressors, folks in power, the patriarchy, (laughs) that means you got to do some work. And maybe this is a tool that can help you do that. Maybe not. But I encourage you to step into some tools. And the only way to do that is to get your feet wet. So I just encourage folks to take like the little steps that they can. And you know what? Not everything is for everybody. And maybe two years down the line, you'll just hear something about astrology and giggle because you understood what somebody just said because you spent the time Googling it and you never even touched it again. You still don't believe in astrology. But now when you hear conversation, it doesn't feel so disruptive to you because you can at least understand how other folks might use it as a tool. Mm-hmm. Well said. I mean, this was like a good, a natural place to pause and do some introductions <laughs> real quick yeah. uh, since we've covered a lot of ground on the topics. <laughs> so what's up, y'all? Welcome back to You Free, our communal podcast. Who am I speaking with? Let's start with you, Kelly, since you were on an episode previously this season, and then we'll talk to the new voice. Amazing. I was going to offer up Chelsea going first, so I'm going to just keep this short. Um, what's up, y'all? You're we back. You know what I'm saying? Got more family in here this time or different family, I should say. Shout out to Eric, who's not with us this time. I am a bilingual educator in New York City, also a creative project manager, and I am your neighborhood brujita at Soul Lake Remedy. You can find us on Instagram. Um, I am one of the co-founders along with the magnificent Chelsea. Hi guys, I'm Chelsea. I'm a co-mom with Kelly of Soul Lake Remedy, and I consider myself to be a yogi. I consider myself to be a lifelong learner. And those are the only labels I'm going to ascribe to right now. <laughs> Fair enough. Okay. So you gave me two labels to work with. So let's, let's start with the yogi label. How long have you, how long has that been something that you would consider yourself? So it started back my sophomore year of high school, sophomore, junior year. I'm actually really, really bad with years. Ironically, I'm a historian, but I'm really bad with years. Anyways, um, I was offered yoga as an elective. I went to a Catholic all-girls school, very, very privileged in that way. And one year I did take the yoga, but only to have nap time. So I took a nap for an hour and then woke that ass up and went back to class. So I didn't consider myself a yogi then. And I only recently considered myself a yogi because now I'm an official yoga teacher. So it's like I'm just fully embracing it. Um, But I've been practicing yoga regularly, like consistently for maybe three years now. And it was just sort of happenstance. I went to the gym because I was like, you know, I need to get it right, get it tight and eat more booze, honestly. Um, And I figured working out might get me more attention. And so I went to the gym and I was like, damn, this is so boring. (laughs) I don't understand how people can lift weights for like an hour, two hours, But then I saw the yoga class and, you know, they were like trying to hit the splits and they were doing all these poses that seemed really expressive. And I feel like I'm an expressive person. So I was like, yeah, that's where it's at. Right. I'll I'll get fit. I'll get tight um, and I'll get to just like stretch. But it became so much more than that, especially when I joined a yoga studio um, and sort of saw how deep 
the practice goes. I started doing workshops and I started doing breath work, meditation. I mean, all of the things that yoga actually encompasses. It's not just the asanas, the physical practice. It's actually seven other tenets. And yeah, yeah. Now that I'm like deeper in that world and sharing it with my community, uh, millennial BIPOC women, you know, I call myself a yogi. I love it. It's interesting because you say a community of BIPOC women. Millennial women. BIPOC millennial women specifically. And I feel like that is true where it's like outside of you, I definitely know of other BIPOC millennial women who practice yoga regularly and like have incorporated that into their practice, which is interesting, I guess, just seeing like the, the new form of yoga culture that's being built in real time. And just like watching that play out where it's like, it's, you know, obviously a, a very old practice and it's been, it's appeared in a lot of different contexts and definitely was certainly whitewashed for a very long time. And now it's, and now it's appearing in this new context. Um, but when you're practicing yoga, like how much is that, I guess, how conscious are you of that kind of reframing of yoga when, when you're engaging with the practice? Or is it just something where you're like, first and foremost, I'm just, I like what yoga offers me. So I'm approaching it you know, from that perspective, if that makes sense. It does. Um, I love your, you know, question style. It leaves it very open-ended. So um, I consider yoga more an interpretation rather than like a literal translation. So my interpretation of yoga is to obviously pay homage to its roots, right? So I, I do land acknowledgements as soon as I, here's a fun tidbit. I just learned that you shouldn't end a class by saying namaste because namaste is a greeting. It's like saying hello, right? But in a more polite way. So saying it at the end of a class is sort of like just confusing, but also that's why it was like deeply whitewashed, right? Because it's like, if you knew anything about yoga, you'd probably know that namaste means hey. So once I learned that, you know, I flip the script. I say namaste at the beginning or not at all. And I am by saying om shanti, 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 which means peace. And so I, again, it's like the more that I learn, especially from BIPOC millennial women about yoga and the ways in which they're using it, the more I'm able to weave that into my practice while also keeping it true to like the ways in which I feel fully seen, right? I like to, I honestly will encourage people to twerk <laughs> during the yoga class, right? Like no disrespect, but I feel like there's something to that rhythmic motion and just the rhythm of dance that I feel should be incorporated into the yoga practice. And I know that for uh, Black women in particular, right? Like we feel great when we're twerking, when we're moving, when we're like doing things on our own accord. And so I want to encourage people to do more of that and less of, you know, this perfect alignment and perfect postures and yada, yada, yada. I think all of that's like nonsense, right? There's no such thing as perfection, especially since we all have very different bodies. Um, so I'm a person who is, my boo says I'm hyper flexible. He's a doctor, so like I'll accept the label. But right, it's like the ways in which my body is going to express a posture is going to be very different than a lot of other people. My way is not more correct. It's just different, right? So it's like I try and make room for all of that to exist in the yoga sphere. If I can just uplift Chelsea even further, because, you know, amen to all that you just shared. Um, and thank you for being so vulnerable about your yoga journey, because I think even that is just like, 
a facet of yoga that we don't necessarily, or that I, I should speak for myself, that I didn't necessarily think about. And honestly, I didn't feel like I had to if I'm watching some white person on YouTube, right? Like Mm -hmm. there's something about that that makes the practice more authentic. And speaking to that, obviously, as, you know, a student of yours, when I practice, I also want to honor the fact that to your question is, I do feel like whether consciously or subconsciously, something that Chelsea takes very seriously, both on the back end when we're talking about, you know, Soul Lake Remedy and any planning or any strategy and at the forefront of her practice in real time is acknowledging that you can modify this practice as long as you feel good, you're doing it right. And I feel like that's really reinforced even while I'm doing the practice itself. And, you know, as someone who is not a certified yoga instructor who does practice with Chelsea, there's always room for that. And I feel like I have practiced with a lot of other folks who have made me feel really bad about not being able to perfectly hit a pose, right? Or like, I've felt just like uncomfortable. And I feel like this vulnerability that she allows us to bring to the table by allowing us to dance, by, you know, reminding us that like her ass is on fire just like ours right like (laughs) it just brings this level of related like that's my sis you know what I'm saying like that's family on the screen like we're out we're gonna die of laughter or start crying after this practice I don't know but if we want to do that together I feel like we can and I think there's something very special about the space that she can create where you know we've we've stayed on zoom with folks afterward who have shared similar sentiments you know or have received feedback from folks after some of Tulsa's sessions who have said similar things. And it's like, I just really want to honor that because I think that's really rare. Um, Yeah, thank you, Kelly. Well, the really interesting thing about that too is like, like you mentioned on the screen and you mentioned the Zoom call and like, there's an interesting way that technology is being used there, right? Because I would think that in some ways it's more difficult to be a yogi and serve that role through technology, right? In the sense that you're not, it's not like a class altogether. You're not all in the physical space, right? It's, it's divided, but at the same time, it's almost like there's more intimacy in the sense that you're now inside a person's home with them when you, as you're doing this. And also there's more comfort level in the fact that, you know, you don't have to be as conscious of like, well, what is the person next to me? looking like are they looking at how I'm doing this or whatever because you have the comfort of your own space but I'd be curious you know from the perspective you know as someone who's like leading people through their own their own journeys and now doing so in a way that is so technologically focused like how has that transitioned from in person to online into like using technology to as a way to bring people together like how is that how have you navigated it's seamless in my mind um because Honestly, if you come ready to serve others, right, and potentially be served in your act of service, then it doesn't effing matter what platform you're on. It doesn't matter how physically close you are to someone that can still be communicated. Um, I actually come from a studio where they are very strict about the ways in which you can teach, right? So when the pandemic happened, and that's when my... uh, yoga teacher training took place. It was partially in person and then it had to transition online. They were pissed. They weren't really trying to teach us how to teach online because they didn't know how to do it. Right. And then they were like, well, it's going to be so much better in the studio and yada, yada, yada. And I'm like hearing the CDC because my boo has it on in the background every single day. And I'm like, uh, it looks like we ain't going to be in person for many moons. So we're going to have to figure this stuff out. Right. And once I started creating my own community and just really being myself, I found that they're really, it doesn't matter. Right. We don't need to be together in order for you to get this yoga. 
in order for you to feel what you need to feel. Um, so long as I make this less about me and more about you, or also like firmly communicating what I'm also experiencing, because it can look I've been told, you know, it looks really pretty when I do yoga. And I'm like, yay, that's super nice to hear. But like, like Kelly said, my ass hurts. Right? Like, oh my God, this posture or these uh, chaturangas that we were doing are really getting my arms on fire right now. So I like to be completely honest about this. And I think um, in the whitewash yoga space, there was very little honesty, right? It's a lot of like well-crafted talking points but no real authenticity. Uh, the shit wasn't landing for a lot of people, but that was the only option at the time. Um, and now we're seeing that it can be done in a, a different way, a way in which you know more people are actually seen and validated and can do yoga on their own terms. And so I prefer to do it this way. I also feel like, and this can happen in person, but I feel like online, you just also made room like after the yoga or before the yoga to like connect folks, right? Like I've never gotten on one of Chelsea's calls and like not been introduced to someone before or afterward because people want to chill and people want to talk. And I think a little bit to your point is I'm like, because some of that discomfort is removed, right? Like at least you're in your home and you're not next to someone who's hitting poses left and right that you can't hit. So you might feel more inclined to like want to build community versus just attending a class. And I feel like some of that has really been made possible because of the way that Chelsea facilitates. Speaking of building a community, I mean, I know we talked about this a little bit in our previous conversation with you, Kelly, but now that we have both of the founders and both of the moms hey. of Soul Lake Remedy on the line, I'd just be curious to hear what you guys are envisioning um, down the line in terms of like the community that you are trying to build and also just how in the first few months of having built it, you know, how, how you feel it's been coming together. And certainly on your end, Chelsea, like I know Kelly kind of talked about how she ended up being in a space where she wanted to create something like that. And I mean, even in what you've already said, like it's clear why you would want to uh, create a space like Soul Lake Remedy, but just kind of curious to hear about that journey and where you guys see it leading down the line. Yeah, I mean, I'll never forget the day when Kelly just hit me up and she was like, yo, do you want to like make a community together? Like she said something to that. I really yeah. did. I was like, damn, yeah, I'm hella down. Um, and it, it really came at sort of the perfect time. It was a time when I was teaching for the yoga studio that I was formally trained by. And that was like my ultimate dream. But, you know, the dream fastly became, or quickly, excuse me, like reality. And I was like, oh, like, it's not that great. <laughs> they don't even really have their stuff together like that. And it's, it's hella Caucasian. I can't. <laughs> so I was like, actually pretty sad about it. And my boo was like, just make your own thing. Just do it on your own. You got this. And I was like, okay, boo, I'm down. And then Kelly hit me up like the next day. <laughs> it was crazy. So um, yeah, I mean, thank you so much, Kelly, for listening to G.O.D., um, because you hit me up at the exact right time. And so this is our community. I think I'm more just sort of like the face because I teach the yoga, but like Kelly is definitely 50% of this thing. The way in which I envision this community is that I want more BIPOC women, right? Like black women, dark skinned women, kinky haired women, thick women, and then the ones who don't really fit 
in, right? The ones who like aren't dark enough and aren't light enough and their hair just does whatever it wants. I want all of those people to be able to use yoga as one of their tools. It's less about like creating an empire, right? Like I'm not really interested in doing that, but I do want all of the people to log on to actually feel like they have homegirls and homies um, that they can just like talk to freely and that they can practice the physical practice of yoga with, but that they can also like sit and like maybe discuss why the full moon has them out of sorts or, you know, uh, why uh, or what's to come for this new moon, right? Like what their hopes and dreams are. That's essentially what I want out of this community. Again, it's, it's not so much about me. I think a lot of things in my life have been very um, accolade driven, right? Like you do this thing to get the A, you do this thing to get the award, to get published, blah, blah, blah. And I don't care about that. I never actually cared about that. Um, That was just always sort of put on me. And, you know, I sort of took it in stride because I like to win, but I'm not interested in winning anything, right? I want to heal people because I was broke down, raggedy uh, for many, many years. And no one could even see it or acknowledge it because I was still quote unquote successful. Um, So I know there are a lot of other women out there in very similar situations who just want to be seen. (laughs) And so that's what I want to offer. You know, so much of that was so powerful to me. (laughs) Like, A, there's the divine aligning um, and the divine timing that you talked about, which is like, it's really beautiful to see, even from my perspective, having known y'all, you know, many years ago, just seeing the development and the evolution of your friendship to now being able to create this, you know, to have gone on your respective journeys by yourselves and then ultimately have also gone through it together to be able to come out the other side and be like, this is where I'm at. This is where you're at. And now we can create something together, create a community together. That's really beautiful. And then I also think, you know, what you were talking about in terms of trying to like serve, working in service of others, as opposed to working um, for accolades. Like, I feel like it's really interesting to see that sometimes there's a sentiment of, I went through these hardships. So now these hardships are a rite of passage and people need to now go through these to before they can get, because I had to go through that. Right. And like, mm-hmm. you see that sentiment, you know, a lot of times, for instance, in particular industries where it's like, I had a really shitty start to my career. So now you have to have a shitty start to your career. Cause that's just right. like, use, right. Or you have people who are like, I went through these negative experiences. I don't want anyone else to have to go through these negative experiences. Like, let's talk about why people are having these experiences in the first place. Right. And I feel like it's always so so interesting to see that push and pull and so honestly sometimes disheartening to see the former aspect but then on the flip side like always be really you know re-empowered when you see people um, who have the approach of the latter where it is more about community and it's like yeah it sucks that I had to spend all that time doing that which is why I want no one else to have to go through that again um, which is a really powerful and beautiful you know approach to life yeah I mean yeah that's something that Hollywood glamorizes the struggle and then says that, you know, we're still not going to give you the answers, right? We're still not going to give you the tools to better your struggle or your journey. Um, You're just going to have to figure it out on your own. And I think that's hella whack, right? I think that's, that's why we're probably in this current situation where everyone feels hella lonely and isolated and like no one actually understands them, even though we're all going through very similar things, So I'm very disinterested in what has been done before. Um, I feel like I can make my own shit. And that's what Kelly and I are doing. Yes. And I feel like in a, like right in line with that thinking, it's like, 
we also operate under this ideology where everyone has to bust their ass knowing that not everyone's going to make it. That's literally the narrative we're sold, especially if you're broke. If you really come from some shit, you're literally told that your chances are slim, but you should go after it anyway. Literally. You know what I'm saying? And it's like, hmm, what if we operated out of a place of, I feel like if I can heal with all the shit that I've been through, anybody can heal. Let's get to it. Mm. What do you bring to the table? What do I bring to the table? What does everyone bring to the table so that we can start figuring out how these pieces move and who fits where, right? And that's just a really big shift in ideology, you know, back to our community-based thinking that we've spoken to a couple times so far. But like, for real, I think that's like a really hard leap for people. And so I also want to say that, you know, a part of the vision for Soul Lake Remedy for us has been like, okay, we invite you into the conversation, but we also invite, want to get to the point where we invite folks in to lead the conversation, right? Like, and I love the specificity of, you know, Chelsea's description of who this is for, you know, and who we want to see this and who we want engaging with it, because this space is meant to uplift Black women, specifically dark-skinned Black women. And like, we don't want to be shy about that, we intend to be vocal about that. And we hope that that means that then those specific folks, you know what I mean, will want to show up how they can and also be willing to step up and say, I'm also not an expert, but I want to say this is what I've been feeling. And that lets me know that this full moon has something to do with this because I'm going to honor my intuition. This space is meant to be not about us because what we want to cultivate is a space that other folks feel like they can own. And I feel like, you know, it's a long journey to get there like it is with anything. But I do feel like as we continue to try and stay really authentic and show up as ourselves, the hope is that authentically we get there. Yo, I love how y'all speak. And I, and I mean that in two ways. I mean, A, like I love the sentiments that you express, but I also feel like both of y'all are very conscious of how you phrase things. Like even in past conversations with both of you, I feel like there's times where I've said something that wasn't even like negative, but could be construed as like limiting in some way. And like, Y'all have been like, nah, don't spray. It's like, nah, well, if you if you really in phrasing it that way, what you're really suggesting is this. And like, really, what you should say is this. And as someone who values language a lot, like, I really, I just want to say, like, I love how y'all like speak. I don't know. Like, I was just thinking about this, this song by, by uh, Damian Marley called The Struggle Discontinues. And in the hook, he says, if the struggle continues, then when will we overcome? Right. So it's like this notion of sometimes we even linguistically, right, like we fall into certain traps that are just like, this is the way that the world is, you know, and I think being conscious of language is a really good start to being conscious of how the world can be different because Otherwise, you find yourself saying things like, oh, well, like the struggle continues and you find yourself in that mentality that like, oh, like this is just the way that things have to be. Things are difficult. We can't actually get over it. So, yeah, I just want to say, like, I love how y'all speak in in both of those ways. Wow. Well, thank you so much. And Kelly, oh, the goosebumps. I have so many goosebumps because of them. I think you're clearly paying attention, right? You, you nailed it. Um, right. The ways in which we're framing these things are incorrect. They're hella fucking limiting. And, you know, I wasn't put on this earth to be a repeat, to be a copy of anything, right? I think that I was put on this earth in order to use what has happened in the past, what my ancestors have gone through, and what I have learned in books and conversations to create something anew. That way, more people actually have access to the things that they were always supposed to have access to. I will tend my anger. I will tend my 
safety I won't. 